Welcome to the Voices in Union podcast with Reggie Jackson and Maria Hamilton. Well, good morning, Maria. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you uh, doing, Reggie? I'm doing really well. I took a little time off over the last several days, a a staycation uh, to kind of get away from work and just, you know, concentrate on me and doing some projects around the house. I realized that, um, man, I need to start using my muscles a little bit more than I have. (laughs) started doing some of these projects and my back was like, Hey dude, what are you doing, man? You haven't done this in a while. And you know, my legs and arms and everything is like, dude, you, you have to start using us in a different way. So I realized, uh, my, my little exercise routine has to incorporate some other, uh, other things other than just walking. So, uh, lesson learned, um, but, but feeling refreshed and really busy, uh, yesterday have a really busy day today. And, uh, you know, just trying to survive through all this craziness. Yeah, I wanted to congratulate you, too, uh, because I heard that you're doing a lot of training. And I said that instead of uh, actually talking about uh, what's going on with the chief and the norms here in Milwaukee, I want to see if you would explain to me and your and our our guests, our audience, uh, what the training is that you're actually doing, and what does it look like to uh, uh, to actually be on the backside of you coming in to do these training uh, that you're doing. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it, it's been a variety of things. Uh, actually, a program that I have um, later today in just a few hours, actually, is with the entire staff of MATC. Somewhere between 700 and 1,000 people will be on the Zoom call. And I'm basically doing a history of race relations in Milwaukee for that group. Um, later this evening, I'll be doing a program for the Fox Point Lutheran Church, and that program is on the hidden impact of uh, segregation uh, over the course of time. Uh, so I've been doing some other programs. Uh, we did a workshop uh, with a big group from, I think, 16 different states um, about a week and a half ago, and that one was on racism and trauma. Um, we did a, a workshop. Um, maybe a month or so ago with a group from Virginia and Delaware. uh, And that one was looking at uh, racism and trauma as well. So a variety of things, you know, unconscious bias uh, workshops, um, you know, talking about segregation quite a bit, um, looking at a lot of different things. A a lot of people have been reaching out to us, obviously, to talk about some things with the police. I did a a session on the history of Milwaukee policing with a group of pastors uh, about a week and a half or so ago. So it's been a broad range of things that I've been doing the training on me and, and my business partner, Fran, uh, have been engaged with a lot of different groups. And we're, you know, we're contracting with several groups to do additional work. I just did um, a program last night where I facilitated a conversation with the Whitefish Bay uh, school board members and the superintendent on their equity plans moving forward. 
in a little over a month ago, I did a, another kind of facilitation of a conversation between the police chief and the mayor of Viroqua, Wisconsin, which is up uh, near La Crosse. Uh, really talking about policing and, you know, having members of the community on their call and asking questions. So I've been really busy in a lot of different spaces with a lot of different topics. But, you know, this is this is what I do. You know, this is my um, my, my profession. This is what I do to make a living. And I feel very uh, proud to be in this space and being asked to do these things um, in this way. Uh, continue to do different interviews. I was just interviewed uh, by the Associated Press last week about, you know, the issues with Milwaukee policing. So, you know, a lot of topics, Maria, a lot of stuff. Right. And continue to to kind of build uh, some new programs that I'll be rolling out uh, sometime in the near future as well. Well, I look forward to uh, partaking in some of those trainings. I was talking with, uh, well, I actually went to Fox Point to uh, with um, Brenda Wesley and David Bowman to actually meet with an organization that has been doing some work out of Fox Point on mm-hmm. uh, uh, police departments. And for me, they they need the training that you're actually getting because they felt as though if they bring the police in, they wash the blood is at the doorstep and have communication with less than 45 uh, police officers and maybe 20 or 30 community leaders that it would change their bias. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I had to tell them that I feel though it's a waste of time and it's a waste of money because you need police officers who are indulging in the change with community. Um, You can talk to your blue in the face. You can tell the history, how the history started with policing and what that culture, that gang culture is leading up I mean, starting with the commanders and the chief and uh, several other several other cri- criterias that they give the police, uh, and it's like you're actually talking on dead ears because the audience is not in compliance for the first for the first thing. They're not in compliance when they walk in the door. You know what I'm saying? they didn't chose to be here they were actually uh they asked these police departments to send people out and it's like when they have roll call in the morning okay well this is what i'm doing today and they show up mm-hmm. so uh I, I feel as though for them to have your training and really be a participant in it but they have to want to volunteer to do it yeah that's the key the volunteering part you know you know i i've i found that um the least effective training is the training that that you mandate people go to 
Because, yeah. you know, if they don't want to be there, they're not going to pay attention. Uh, there's a friend of mine that has done some training for the Milwaukee Police Department mm-hmm. uh, over the course of time. And they told me the last time they did it, they don't want to do it anymore because they felt it was a waste of time. Because, uh, you know, over the course of several days, the officers came for the training. But he says most of them didn't even pay attention to him. He says right. they were in the room, you know, they were playing on their cell phones. They were talking to each other. They were doing everything except paying attention because they didn't really care. And he says, you know, he talked to, you know, some of the, the people who were you know, kind of in charge. And was like, can you get the officers to pay attention? And they were just like, dude, just do the training. You know, don't right. worry about that. You do your part. We'll handle our part. And he's just like, but dude, why am I here if they're not going to pay attention? But but this is the thing that I've, I've discovered. Um, I've had some really, really very frank conversations uh, with some former police officers, retired police officers. These are the ones that you need to talk to. Because these are the ones that can talk openly and honestly. You know, once their pension is guaranteed, they can they can spill the beans in, right? But as 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 officers who are still under contract, they they are mandated. I wish we could get a copy of the contract the police signed, Maria. Because this is what they told me. They said you need to see what the contract looks like, yeah. and if you saw it, you would realize the limits on what police officers can say. The words that can come out of their mouths are very limited. You know, and so these officers that I talked to and I plan on talking to a whole group of them soon, they told me that you really have to understand policing from the inside. So you have to talk to former police officers, not current officers, because they can't talk. Talk to former officers who can tell you the truth about what's going on. And then I read two really fabulous articles about why we have so much trouble with the police. One of them talked about the power of the unions. Right. How strong these unions are, which people just they, they I mean, people just don't have a clue how strong the police unions are around the country. And then wow. the second article I read was about the what they call field training officers. These are the officers that go out there and train, you know, new officers. So, you know, you're brand new on, on the job and you're going to train with this, you know, veteran officer for X number of weeks or months or whatever. Right. And there's no there's no real. um like um, from police department to police department, all have different rules. Some require that you train with this officer for two weeks, some two months, some 12 months, whatever. There's no consistency across the board nationwide. But what they said in the article, which was really eye-opening, and these are the people that have, have been working with the Department of Justice to talk to police departments around the country and put new policies in place. They said that the way that you do your field training officers is horrible because what you do is you, you, you let anybody be a field training officer who has X number of years of experience. They can have the most checkered past, have all kinds of complaints against them, and they could become a field training officer. By the way, the officer who killed George Floyd, guess what he was? A field training officer. And guess what? One of the officers who was there with him was being trained under him. So basically what they said in the article is that you have these people that are bad cops that have a, a very ugly record of, of, of misconduct that they haven't been punished for properly. And they're out here training those same techniques to these young officers. So guess what? You're a young guy on the beat. You know, you go through the academy, you learn all of the rules and regulations. And then when you get out on the street, they're like, but dude, this is the way it works in the real world. Forget all the crap you learned in the, in the academy. This is how we do it out here. And, and basically they said until police departments put stricter measures in place in terms of who can be field training officers and get rid of the ones that they know are, are terrible, that have horrible discipline records that are teaching it to young cops, then policing will never change. So we can talk all the reform we want to talk, 
But those are the types of reform that the people from the DOJ prior to the Trump administration, when they actually did real, you know, oversight of police, what the DOJ did when they came to Milwaukee in the report they wrote, what they did in Baltimore, what they did in Ferguson, what they did in Chicago, you know, Seattle, Albuquerque, all these different cities. Those are the real types of reforms. And I don't think those will happen unless we get the voices of some former police officers to talk to, because they can tell you the real deal what's going on in the city of Milwaukee. They know it better than anybody. But, you know, it's like training day with Denzel Washington. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah, he was a good training officer. I actually have a feel, you know what I'm saying? I have a feel of what that uh, field training officer's position is. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually got the $500,000 for them to be CIT trained. And because they, the mayor uh, attached mandate on it, uh, Brenda Wesley and the other trainers, I actually spoke with the doctor that was a part of that training. Uh, she was also in the meeting with me and David Boring, and they were um, they were in compliance with the model of the training. So uh, for the the fire and police commissioners board to ask the chief for those eleven things. It was a part of the ACLU uh, lawsuit. It was a mm-hmm. part of the DOJ uh, investigation uh, for the for the things that they found wrong with Milwaukee Police Department. And then you have the union talking about the chiefs don't have enough time to be in compliance to get that information, but you've had four years. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. all you should really have to do is to go into an office and get that information. But if you have you haven't did anything in your tender while you were waiting to get assigned to the chief position, it's a problem and you shouldn't be there. Yeah, you know, they, they have made excuse after excuse after excuse as to why they can't comply with the ACLU lawsuit orders by the federal judge. They have made excuse after excuse as to why they didn't comply with the stuff that the DOJ recommended. Right. You know, they keep making excuses as if at some point nobody's going to pay attention to the fact that they're not really doing it. And, you know, these 11 things they're they're telling the chief to do, this isn't new stuff. This is what right. None of this is new. This is stuff they were already supposed to be doing. As a result of what the judge told them to do and as a result of those 120-some recommendations from the DOJ, if they had simply done what they were told to do and if the Fire and Police Commission had actually paid attention and, 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 and monitored whether or not they were doing these things the way they should have instead of just sitting back kind of like chilling, right. and if the Common Council and the mayor had done their job and held them you know, to, to point and said, listen, you got to do this stuff. The judge told you to do these things. These are things that will help the police department, help the community, help the relationship between the police and the community. These are good things. These are not bad things. But no, they just sit back and just let them make excuse after excuse. And after a while, you know what? The excuses, people just get tired of the excuses. Like, dude, right. just shut up and do it. Yeah, making excuses because there's no reason that you can't comply with these things. If that was you and I, Maria, and some judge told us to comply with some stuff and we didn't do it, yes, right. we'd be. Right. 
we be we be somewhere where we don't want to be right now, right? We be somewhere sitting in a jail cell waiting because we didn't comply with the judge's order. But what happens to them? They don't comply with the judge's order for years. <laughs> what happens? Nothing. The chief almost gets fired. Like, oh, no, he didn't get fired. I mean, the union was saying, oh, they're setting him up to fire him. No, they're not setting him up to fire him. They're setting him up to make him do his damn job. That's what they're doing. So, you know, I get tired of the union making these stupid excuses and, and, and whining and complaining all the time. Dude, just do what you were told to do. If you don't want to do it, find another police department to work for. Right. Yeah, you're right. And then it's like with the union, how... I mean, there's no entity, no judge, no piece of legislation or anything that we can actually change what the union have them doing in that contract. Mm -hmm. But Scott Walker decided to get rid of all the other unions. So yeah. how do we infiltrate how the union... Uh, make police police in this country you know i i think that's one of the biggest challenges because police unions are strong you know all across the board across the country and and that the reason they have that strength is because you know people in in state houses around the country have given them that power over a long period of time you know we have always this country has always Maria, going back to the, to the bad old days, as I call them, not the good old days, the bad old days, they have always shown Americans the police are the good guys, right? And they've always given them all this this power. I mean, they, they literally have the right to take your life. I mean, there's no greater power on earth than the right to take somebody's life and, and right. punish for it, right? So we we have been told by, by 50 million different cop shows on TV, 50 million different movies, that the cops are always the good guys. And, you know, for the most part, they are. I mean, I'm not saying we don't need the police. Obviously, we need the police. It, it would be dumb to not have police. But guess what? We don't need the police that have uncontrolled power. That's when it becomes problematic, when they have power that's above and beyond what anybody can control what they do when their union really has more power than the police chief does in many respects. You know, I talked to someone uh, a couple months ago that told me, he said, listen, let me tell you how the police works. I think I mentioned this to you before, Maria. He says that the chief only has power over those brand new officers and those officers in the command structure. Everybody in between, they don't listen to the chief because they don't really have to because they got the union has their back. Like, dude, I've been a cop for 15 years. What can the chief do to me, right? And, and so because of the union has that power, that really the union is in many respects on, on, on par with the chief in terms of the power they have. And in many respects, even more powerful, because guess what? As you said, Scott Walker and the Republicans in the legislature in Wisconsin decided to take away the power of every public union except the police and fire unions. And yeah. they have uh, uh, just unlimited power. And that's the case all over the country. But, you know, I was actually looking at the governor uh, yesterday sitting in his office when they were talking about the uh, one of the pandemics that's actually going on here, uh, which is uh, just as bad as the police virus that we're having. <laughs> mm. uh, he just seemed so hopeless, like with Obama and uh, the Congress and the senators 
uh, with the GOP sitting in office. He seems like, I, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this. And it's like, why did we vote you in when you have no power to do anything without the legislators in Wisconsin? I mean, I, I really felt sad for him to see that he has his hands is tied where he can't even mandate face masks for the entire state of Wisconsin because he have to go through them. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a bad system, and in the fact that the, the GOP made sure that when when Evers became governor, that they passed laws to strip some of his powers from him intentionally. I mean, it wasn't like it was an accident; they did it intentionally, and and the exact opposite of what they did for Scott Walker by emboldening him and giving him additional powers. When Evers comes into office, oh no, no, we can't have the governor can't have that power. That's no, that's ridiculous, you know. So the hypocrisy of it. Is really what pisses me off. And and listen, Tony Evers is not a dummy. This man should have known that that stuff was going to happen. And ultimately, the citizens of Wisconsin, we are a bunch of idiots because we've allowed these GOP folks to basically take our governor, which is a position in most other states that is the most powerful position in the state, to right. really have, in many respects, less power than, than the Robin Vosses of the world. Why is Robin Voss, who gets a couple thousand votes every time he runs for election, have more power than the darn governor of the state of Wisconsin in many respects? It just doesn't make the Scott Fitzgerald, Robin Voss, the power they have versus the power that the governor has. Yeah. You look at the number of people that voted for, for, for Evers versus the number of people that voted for them. If they ran 10 more times, they wouldn't get the number of votes that this man got in the last election, right? So right. there's no reason they should have more power than the governor has. But guess what? Scott Walker made sure uh, that he put those systems in place. And the citizen of Wisconsin, I keep saying this over and over again, Maria, I don't care what anybody says, they are the ones putting these people in office. That must mean they must like what they're doing. Right. So if they like what they're doing and, and, and at the same time they voted for Evers, listen, stop voting for those Republicans that are doing things that are hurting everybody in the state of Wisconsin, because that's literally what you're doing. We right. had, you know, Robin Voss telling us months ago that, oh, you don't have to wear a mask, you know, masks are unnecessary, blah, blah, blah. And here you have now a surge in cases because anybody with half a brain knows, Maria, it, a three-year-old can tell you that if you spread this virus, through stuff coming out of your mouth when you talk, from sneezing, from coughing. If you cover your darn nose and mouth, you can't spread the virus the same way, right? I mean, that's common sense. But we right. got people still told us, oh, somebody on Facebook tried to convince me, masks don't do anything. They're ridiculous to be wearing a mask, and it's uncomfortable. Well, I do. It may be uncomfortable, but you know what's really uncomfortable? Dying from coronavirus. That's what's uncomfortable. Right. Being in an ICU with a tube stuck down your throat. That's what's uncomfortable. Me having to sit here and have you talking to me without a mask on, spreading this crap. I don't even, listen, I tell people that for me, Maria, I've gone above and beyond the call of duty because I don't just wear a mask. I wear safety glasses, too, because it can get into your, your, your eyes, too. People forget about that. Everybody walking around with a mask, with the nose uncovered. Like, dude, take the damn mask off if you're not going to wear it the right way. Give it to somebody that knows how to use it the right way. That's what I want to say to people. But you can't because you may get shot for saying something to somebody about a mask nowadays, right? So it's just such a ridiculous place that we're in. 
and to me, I look at America as as a, a failure, and the failures of America are really showing brightly right now. And this is why, you know, the countries like the Bahamas telling Americans, y'all side, y'all know y'all love coming down here. I was married in the Bahamas. If I wanted to go to the Bahamas right now for me and my wife to celebrate our anniversary, I couldn't even go because yeah. we're from America. We can't even go to the darn Bahamas no more. What kind of crap is that? Mexicans were were, were protesting at the border, telling Americans to stay out of Mexico the same way we were doing to them. I mean, the world is like upside down and backwards right now. But in a way, it's a good thing because it's exposing America for what it really is. The old s-hole countries that Trump was talking about. But guess who the biggest s-hole country on the planet is right now? The good old U.S. of A. Nobody wants us. You yeah. can't even have a a, a a baseball team that plays in Canada. They can't even play in Canada. Major League Baseball tried to get the Toronto Blue Jays to play in the U.S. or in, in, in Canada. And Canadian government's like, no, y'all going to find somewhere else to play. They literally, the season starts soon. They don't even know where they're going to play games at Maria. That's how bad it is. Uh-huh. That's how bad America looks to the rest of the world. And listen, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with the U.S. right now either if I was one of these countries. Like, right. hey, y'all spreading this virus and y'all don't care. Y'all walking around with no mask on. Y'all doing stupid stuff all the time. Stay the hell out of our countries. They need to build a wall around America to keep Americans in, basically, is what the rest of the world is saying. Because right. we don't want y'all no more. Right. Yeah, we're at that point. And then for them to actually... Uh, Literally on national TV talking about uh, Donald Trump being a dictator. There's, <laughs> I mean, I, I literally sat up there and watched this woman and th- these groups of people and banner literally talk about having Donald Trump as a dictator. I'm like, Wait a minute, did I go to sleep and wake up and and, and somebody clunk me upside my head because I know that I'm not actually watching this on national TV. <laughs> that you're putting people in place to get people to stand on the side of changing America to a dictatorship. I'm like, are you serious? This just shows you how stupid a lot of Americans are, Marie. Listen, listen, if we end up having a dictator in the U.S., you know, it could happen. You can never say it can't happen. Don't give us the dumbest damn dictator in the history of dictators, right? Give us somebody at least has half a brain. Because, listen, come on. Listen, I I have to be honest uh, about the president. All you have to do is listen to the words coming out of his mouth. And when when he tells um, Chris Wallace that Fox News is fake news now, dude, you lost everything. Your your, your base, you know, Fox Network doesn't even like you anymore. Uh, But listen, Maria, we got to go, right? We could talk about Donald Trump, about these issues, you know, for the next 18 straight hours. But, uh, you know, let's revisit next week, kind of see where we are then. I think it'd be very interesting as uh, the cases of coronavirus continue to surge. I've been tracking the deaths. The deaths have increased quite dramatically over the last week in Milwaukee County, uh, and mostly white people. And so I've been telling people, listen, yeah. my black oh. people being affected. <laughs> it's the whole boatload of white folks that are dying from coronavirus in Milwaukee County. They have been the leading number of cases for weeks and weeks and weeks, but nobody's telling white people. That's why they're walking around with no mask on, because they think they're immune. But y'all better start paying attention. 
but somebody better start telling them to pay attention because right now i think i'm the only person to tell them like y'all the majority of people down in milwaukee county right uh, so you know let, let's revisit this next week have a good safe week enjoy some more of this beautiful weather we've been getting because we know it's going to be over real soon yeah uh, the thing is, hopefully um I can get out after I see this doctor and be able to uh, enjoy some of it, even if it ain't nothing but sit on my porch. Yeah, yeah, that'll be nice. Mm -hmm. That'll be nice. All well, right. So have a good week, and I'll talk with you next Thursday. Okay. Take care, Maria. Have a good one. Say hi to the family for me, please. I will. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.